This week, a victorious World Cup campaign for the French, but perhaps on the disastrous side for our Brazilians. The world's best player in a shock move to the best club in Italy. PSG's new coach plays his first preseason game, plus a summer signing of our own for the podcast. I'm Dave, and welcome to the third year of PSG Talking. Je me baladais sur l'avenue, le cœur ouvert à l'inconnu. J'avais envie de dire bonjour à n'importe qui. N'importe qui, et ce fut toi, je t'ai dit n'importe quoi. Il suffisait de te parler pour t'apprivoiser. Oh, Champs-Élysées. Oh, Champs-Élysées. Au soleil, sous la pluie, à midi ou à minuit, il y a tout ce que vous voulez aux Champs-Élysées. Well, thank you for tuning in to PSG Talking. We're here with our first episode of the third season, what will largely be a mix of World Cup talk and speculation for the coming season. With us as well are Matt and Guillaume, whom you know, uh, plus Mel Brennan, a man who has been featured on at least one more Sky Sports News segment than I have. Uh, Mel, you want to give us a little introduction? Just one. Just one more than you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I am... Uh... Uh, I'm happy to be here. Uh, been a long-time listener, uh, obviously first-time participant. Uh, been a PSG fan um, probably since the mid-'90s. Um, that's a long story that will only get longer in the telling. Um, I'll save it for another time. But, uh, yeah, born uh, the day after PSG was founded, so first PSG, then me. Uh, and I look forward to the current season, man. I look forward to this this season of podcasting and the season coming up for the squad. So Awesome. Yeah, right. well, you're uh, you're very welcome on the cast. Plus, we're um, always looking for more people. Uh, some people responded to my advertisement on RPSG, um, and if you're ever if you're a listener and you feel like you would like to contribute, uh, just shoot me a message, um, and you know we're happy to hear you out. Basically, everybody on the podcast has just responded to like a Reddit advert, so it's not like we're uh, we're picking people off Twitter or anything. Um, so oh, that's, we are, we are. Oh yeah, let's let's. Uh, we're desperate. We're desperate. No, no. <laughs> let's let's talk about the World Cup. Uh, without further ado, we have Guillaume here. Who, if you yes, don't, please. if you don't like that France won the World Cup, turn this off now because you will be annoyed by by Guillaume's uh, infectious Why? happiness here. Uh, oh no, you're just so you're just so pleased. I'm sure some some Italian out there is seething. They must I just be. Hooked, I just I had just uh, recorded with uh, with Matt. For um, with Mark, sorry. Yes, Mark. Um, for 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 like solid hour and a half, uh, we we just ended up. I'm like red hot. <laughs> he's, what uh, do he's you want me up. to say? He's I'm ready. Uh, right. So France wins. PSG emerge with the real medal. Top scorers, courtesy of Big Gregor Kachowiak, uh, Mbappe, Kimpembe, and of course Ariola all taking home their medals. Though Ariola, and this remember this for thirty years down the line. He is the first ever to win the World Cup without ever having been capped for the, his country. Um, so what does this mean wow. for PSG? Oh. Uh, can the club benefit from this momentum in French football? Um, and just to establish a speaking order, we'll, uh, we'll open with Matt and then go to Mel and then Guillaume, who is red hot, can, can close this out. Hurry up, guys. I can't, I can't hold it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, um... I won't, I won't fed on your toes for too long, but yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I can only see it as a positive, really. Uh, certainly the France success, I think, um, will hopefully ignite some uh, 
you know passion for football in the uh, in the in the French public, which I know obviously sections of which are very passionate and other sections are sort of fairly ambivalent from my experience. So I think the sort of interest, you know, around the club at, at home will hopefully grow as well. And I think in terms of the players, I mean, obviously, Abiola, as you just said, and Kimpembe didn't really get any playing time to, to write home about. But I think being part of that sort of success and having a, a World Cup winner's medal in the bank is really sort of important. And you look at the way that that France went through, they went through some big matches, some really difficult matches, and I think that sort of being around the atmosphere can only help them, really. And, uh, well, I mean, what is there to say about Mbappe? Just uh, an amazing tournament. I think um, after the Argentina game, a lot, of the, uh, a lot of the talk in England was about him really sort of breaking out and making a name for himself, which I initially found a bit weird because clearly everyone who likes football knows about Kylian Mbappe, but then sort of thinking about it, I think this is a tournament where people who don't really like football maybe have stopped and taken notice of him a bit. And, you know, that's when you start to move into that sort of Ronaldo, Messi, David Beckham sort of league where you sort of transcend the sport and you become sort of known outside of the sort of uh, the, the supporter base. So, you know, I think it's potentially a really uh, transformative tournament for him. And it's going to be really interesting to see the, uh, the dynamic in the squad when they get back, obviously, with, with Neymar and Cavani. Yeah, very well put. I agree with the winner's mentality. Uh, and of course, entering the, the storied leagues of Messi, Ronaldo, and, and David Beckham. Just yeah. the, yeah. the finest ever yeah, played the game. I mean, this is um, funny. Thing is, it's, it, it, that's, you're not even wrong, because when it comes to household names, honestly, people in the United States will often say David Beckham as soon as they will say Ronaldo or, Mac- or Messi. Yeah, for sure. And um, I think, like, just from talking to people, at work who aren't really into football you know sort of really sort of noticed Mbappe obviously was very eye-catching performances um possibly not always like most consistently but certainly some really eye-catching moments and that's the sort of thing which if you do that in a world cup you're going to sort of start to move towards that sort of level of profile aren't you well Mel yeah I mean I think that the um the question depends on on which aspect of PSG we're talking about if you're talking about uh, the coach and embedding the coach with his players. You know, it's always difficult after a World Cup um, to get, you know, your star players or your more pampered players back in camp, uh, back focused. Uh, they tend to take vacation that they would have taken during the World Cup period after the World Cup. And so you find that the folks that Tuchel, and I'm going to use the American pronunciation, um, <laughs> <laughs> the folks that so cool. Tuchel uh, uh, um, needs to to engage with, I think, the most are the folks that he's going to be embedded into the squad the latest. And so that concerns me um, as far as, you know, his debut year and making sure that the team, the key players on the team understand his philosophy. Um, and we saw a taste of it, um, and I know we're going to talk about it later in the in the preseason match in terms of things he's willing to try. Um, but that worries me. Um, but I do agree that there's no question that um, France went through the went through a crucible. When you look at the teams that they came through uh, to get to the final uh, and how that went down, um, that type of uh, playing and that type of pressure cooker matters, um, and it can't ever be faked. It can't ever be simulated. You either have that experience or you don't. And it can only be benefit uh, to the players that, that went through that. 
um, to have that experience. Now, you could say that the the opposite might be a concern for our Brazilian compatriots, right? Um, as much of a benefit as the World Cup was for Areola, uh, for Kimpembe, for uh, Mbappe, of course. Um, I worry about the psychological response from a Thiago Silva, from a Neymar, uh, from our Brazilian teammates. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what type of team psychology uh, the coach forges out of these experiences. Um, but for our French players, there's no doubt uh, that this was a benefit. Right. I mean, in, it, it is the it is the experience we can we can point to when we look back on Mbappe's career, um, and of course the the Neymar thing is one of the flagship topics for this. Um, Guillaume, you can you can talk a little bit about the French victory because I know you're itching to, and then we can just go straight into it. Um, you know the the effect of this World Cup, not just on on you know Thiago Silva, Marquinhos, the, those kinds of guys, but but really on on Neymar who received more negative press than I've ever seen a soccer player receive like in my lifetime. Yeah, so I think Mel has a good point that there's going to be, it's something will be different at Paris Saint-Germain because of the of, of three of the team members now are world champion. And that's a big deal. Um, but unlike Mel, I'm not worried about it because the shift already happened. The, the core... Thiago Silva, Thiago Mota, Marco Verratti, um, the, the older players' influence at the club, even the Brazilian influence to a certain extent. Um, it's a paradox because Neymar just um, signed, but Neymar is his own thing. He's, uh, he's fading. And now, especially one player, <laughs> Mbappé, uh, was a starter for France, scored four goals and and one decisive goal during the final. You score in the World Cup final and you win the World Cup. You're, I mean, you're no longer seen as the same player. He was already seen as a unbelievable potential. No, he's, he's no longer a potential. He's a world star. He's the world star. He's the star of this World Cup. What do you prefer? A 30-year-old confirmed um, a player, you know, reaching the end of his career and being the master of the past, Modric, or a 19-year-old firecracker who, who, who can do things, you know, nobody has seen on the pitch before. Uh, well, you know, most people are going to go with Mbappe. And like you said, David, he's, he's becoming, um, I mean, I, I watched live the the parade down the Champs Elysees, and uh, the, the the bus comes in, and you hear screams like it's the freaking Beatles, and these are like fourteen year old girls. They don't really care about Showing football. They like it. They will watch the World Cup. Mbappe is adored as a much more than a football player. Uh, Neymar is not, at least in France. And yeah, his, uh, <laughs> his World Cup, his image is massacred. So it's going to be interesting to see if it benefits the team. But overall, it's great experience for, for three of our team members, like, un, like priceless experience. And unlike a few weeks ago, now Mbappé, I think, 
will feel that he can op- he, he can say something in a locker room because he has that statute that nobody else, well, you know, Kimpembe does, but he wasn't a starter. So when Mbappe has to say something now, people in the locker room will listen. Probably before that, not so much. Uh, Matt, let's go back to you. Let's um, talk about the downsides of, of the of the World Cup, whether it's fatigue, like Mel mentioned, or the the mentality of the Brazilian contingent and um, the the effects on the on the club atmosphere. Yeah, for sure. I think um, it's a really good point that Mel made. I think um, what will hopefully mitigate that is that um, obviously we'll go into the league season and probably most of the teams we play in the first few games we're going to be quite a lot better than so hopefully even if we're not at we'll have time to sort of get up to speed before the sort of big games come around and the um you know the uh, sort of champions league gets underway and stuff like that so hopefully it's something we'll be able to manage i'm not too worried about it but definitely it's a good point and uh, you know something that uh two will have to be aware of and it's obviously not ideal when you're a and you're a new guy. Um, I think in terms of the Brazilian contingent, I think it's going to be really interesting how Neymar um, sort of responds, I think, sort of to the sort of Mbappe's uh, kind of elevation. I think it was, um, I don't know if you guys saw today, but Nike have done a big poster in um, in Bondi, wherever Mbappe's from, and it says, uh, you know, it's basically a massive picture of Mbappe's face, and it says 98 was a great year for French football, Killian was born, you know, and that's the sort of... <laughs> That's the sort of campaign where you, yeah, it's um, it's sort of um, the sort of campaign where you'd expect you know Neymar to be front and center, but you know they're doing that with Mbappe now, and that seems like the sort of thing which will piss Neymar off a bit. So um, I think that's managing him is going to be sort of a big challenge for the club and for for Tuchel. And um, uh, but hopefully, I mean, let's face it, the World Cup while it wasn't great for Brazil wasn't as bad as last time like the sort of traumatic ending that they had uh, uh so hopefully it won't yeah, be that's too much yeah that's a fair point um so yeah we'll see but um i'm kind of hopeful even if we're not at top speed when the when the sort of team come back and the season gets underway that we'll sort of have enough to get through the early games and sort of hopefully build up and get a rhythm and um to be honest the sort of the big teams in league and the champions league teams are going to have the problem to the same problem to a greater or lesser extent so hopefully uh you know we won't be alone in that respect right hopefully mitigates the fact that league on does start a bit earlier than most other leagues but uh (laughs) you you do have the the point that frankly we don't really need to start mbappe in game one most likely um mel you already you already uh kind of started us on the on the sadder thought train so you can round out the uh, the negatives from the world cup here well, I, I can tell you that I may be a Luddite when it comes to this, but I can tell you that I hate, I hate VAR. I hate it with a passion. Um, you know, Gianni Infantino, who's Swiss-Italian, so he's disappointed that on not making the World Cup and making it and going out <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> but uh, it out. He, uh, he made it clear that he thinks that you know, VAR and, and refereeing in that way is a new era for football. And I can tell you that, you know, of course, in December, LFP announced that 2018-2019 would be the first year for VAR in, in, in Liga. And I have to tell you that I think it's um, just a terrible, terrible direction for uh, a sport that, you know, throughout its 
history. And, you know, you talk a little bit about 98 and Mbappe being born in 98 and France winning in 98. And we didn't need VAR to have all those moments. You know, we didn't need VAR to have the moments that we've had in all the World Cups up to this one. And and the form of the sport uh, from the youngest age to the oldest uh, was the same. And now we have uh, one of, you know, what seem to be an emerging set of price differentials and how the sport is, is it manifests. And I understand all the arguments around, you know, this idea of at this level, you have to get the call right. Um, but it is really uh, disconcerting and weird and hard to show my six-year-old uh, youngest son um, when a goal is scored to watch uh, the Korean team have to wait until somebody somewhere else tells them that it was a goal for them to be able to celebrate. And that, 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 you know, shifting of the emotion, you know, I'm very much like Eduardo Galeano in soccer and sun and shadow. I just want to see incredible sport being played, but I don't want to see that mitigated through the lens of some video screen somewhere else. And I just can't stand it. So I think that that's a down, that's a down point for me. And again, I know that might make me, you know, the old man in, of the room, but I, I just can't stand it. <laughs> I, uh, I think I'm the old man of the room too. Yeah, and I actually love VAR. Because <laughs> it's I always in favor of the French. And if VAR <laughs> had, been, had been implemented in 1982. Yeah, I was going to say, Baston, I was going to say. France would have been world champion in 1982. And if VAR would have been implemented a year ago, in the Champions League, there wouldn't have been la remontada, puta, and uh, <laughs> all that stuff. So it takes a little bit of the joy, and, and that's a big deal. And, and Mel has a good point. When you score and you got to wait for VAR, that sucks. But when the abomination of a critical, critically wrong decision by the ref can be mitigated by VAR... Thank God, you know. So, yeah, it's debatable, and we're debating it. Well, it it does take away some of the character of the French, and that you know, I feel like the French national football identity until '98 was shaped by Platini's generation being robbed, and now knowing yeah, that that wouldn't was. happen anymore. I mean, it just kind of sucks that that you know you won't be able to complain your entire lives away anymore. Another <laughs> thing, another thing is um, there was. Pretty much no red card, like direct. There was zero re- direct red card at this World Cup. Uh, it may have a positive because now they know they, you know, they're on TV, if I may say so, and that can be reviewed. So it, it and the cheating also is down. There's some negative aspects of it and positive aspects of it. Also, I think the technology can improve a lot. A lot better. This is true. And with some good algorithm, they they probably can improve the reaction time. So the goal is scored, and we can expect maybe a confirmation a few seconds later in in the ears of the of the ref, uh, and not have that delay. So there's, there's improvement to be made, but there's a lot of positive things. Anyway, it's a little bit yeah. off of. Uh, I mean, let me let me let me just be clear. You know, having the did the ball cross the line or not audio signal in the ear of the ref at the highest level. So as he's running back, he can, you know, within three to five seconds, make it clear. Yes, that was a goal. Yes, that wasn't a goal. I'm all for that. Mm. But the, 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 this level of the stoppage of play. Yeah. It's a problem. Know, it, it, it is a problem. And you're right, Guillaume, in that, 
you know, you are mitigating the worst disasters. Yes. Right? You are it's a big deal, Mel. <laughs> but but <laughs> until until that moment, and it's coming, because the more VAR you have, the more examples you're going to have, and the more this is likely to come, and it's coming. You're going to have that moment where we see a travesty on the field. Uh, the players saw it. We can see it on TV. It goes to VAR. And it's still not seen as a travesty. Right, right, right. And then, and then what are you going to do? Right? Nothing's perfect. What, right. So I, 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 it's a human game for human players with human fallibility, um, the hand of God, one and two. You know, I, I hate Suarez for what he did to Asamoah Gian against Ghana, right? Um, um, it's, 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 you know, it's the stuff of legend, but it's because the, of the humanity of it. And I worry about that uh, over the long term, taking the, the humanity of it. Good point. Well, interesting discussion. Um, does anyone have anything else on the on the World Cup before we move on to uh, to PSG matters? Uh, yeah, uh, briefly, get used to it. Um, <laughs> uh, if you if, if you know, I don't want to repeat what I said in um <laughs> In, in Mark's uh, uh, podcast, uh, and I totally, generally totally don't different give, Okay, <laughs> I I, <laughs> I generally don't give big predictions, but I'm gonna briefly give one. Um, fr- France won the Italian way. There was a headline in the Gazzetta dello Sport that said after the victory, "All'Italien." So in French, I mean, French won the World Cup Italian way. Catenaccio. We score, it's over. And, and you know, that's, that's how you can, that's one way of winning a competition. Not necessarily the best way or the most beautiful way, but it's a good way. And, and like Deschamps said, e bello vincere. Victory is, is beautiful. Um, but there's one player which I still think is going to make it, and he kind of have and then got injured, and his name is Thomas Lemar. And uh, about a year ago, he took over, the, he had the keys of the French team, and he put Payet on the bench. And the team was playing a much more positive football with Lemar as a modern 10 slash winger. And um, Deschamps is no fool, he knows that. But now he's got his core defensive team, and um, there's going to be a transition to the Euro where some players are going to retire and all. I think France can do what it has just done and keep doing it, plus add a little bit more beauty in its game with Thomas Lemar and be even better. So I think that's the beginning of a d- dynasty, of an era of, of domination of the French national team in competitions like Spain did for a while, like Germany did for 40 years or something. Um, and um, get used to it. It will pass, but I think, I think it's going to be for a little bit. Uh, um, Guillaume, you're neglecting the fact that football's in fact coming home. I don't know if anyone told you. I know it didn't that happen immediately, but you know, it's only a matter of time really. So, um, you know, we were close this time. In four it's, years' time, it's, it's a matter of time. Exactly. Yeah, football. It's coming home. It's just on its way. It's had a detour in France. Yeah, and it's, exactly, it, next yeah. stop. Next stop. But home. It's, it, the French and the Brits. We the the Brits are kind of French too. You know, we kind of. <laughs> 
<laughs> they did them. My, my people from Normandy. And... We're all Norman brothers, aren't we? After all, yeah. So we like, you know, so they kind of sharing that trophy with us a little bit. Well, you know, well in twenty in twenty twenty six, the Americans we'll we'll sniff it as it goes by. So we're happy to do that in twenty twenty six. That'd be a wonderful a wonderful thing. Yeah, it'd be the best way for the Americans to win a World Cup is one they haven't qualified for. Um, <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to departures because uh, we've we've run around a bit. Um, so the biggest transfer of the year happened in the last month with a global megastar leaving one of the world's biggest clubs in a shock move to Italy. So was it the right decision to let Javier Pastore leave? <laughs> and yes, I'm, I'm very I'm very happy with how I phrased that. Uh, <laughs> I saw this in the running order, and I could just imagine the tears falling down your face slowly as you typed it out. I have, I have a like a, I have like three paragraphs of my goodbye letter to Pastore written in a draft on the website, and I still, I it's so emotional, I haven't been able to finish it. Um, but you know, believe me, when this comes out in ten years, it's going to be my magnum opus. <laughs> and when people have forgotten who Javier Pastore is, aside from my Twitter avatar, people. People are going to read this, and they're going to think he was the second coming of Christ. I have to, I have to time it until after they've not seen him play, because that way I can just tap into straight nostalgia. Um, all right, Matt, to start us off. Okay, um, so uh, it was it a good idea to get rid of Pastore? Um, probably, if somebody wanted to buy him. I mean, I was quite like, sorry, Dave, I'm quite amazed that someone a wanted to buy him and b. <laughs> to pay 25 million euros for the privilege because not because because he's obviously amazing like i love javier not as much as you but quite a lot but i just figured we'd be stuck with him until his contract ran down and then he'd get moved somewhere you know less taxing where he could sort of float around sort of beautifully you know doing beautiful stuff like a sort of butterfly or something um but uh i think it's great i mean we were in that position where we needed to raise money and uh you know, there was obviously interest from him, like West Ham wanted him, which I, the prospect of that, him going to work for the, uh, uh, actually, I'm not going to say that because it might be legally dubious. Um, uh, the Golden Sullivan uh, made me a little bit sad. So I'm pleased he's gone back to Italy. And I actually think it's probably a good move for him because, you know, the league guns were very, very physical. I think people who don't watch it that often don't really appreciate that. Um, and I, it's very physical, very fast, like, you know, all the big guys like charging around into each other. And I think um, a league where the possibly the pace of life is a bit slower and where he's had success before. And also, as you know, no disrespect to Roma, but a slightly sort of less high profile club will probably suit him. And I hope he goes on to make a success because he's, you know, we all know how amazing he is when he's not injured and he's, you know, doing really clever stuff. And I think no PSG fan would, would be sad if he sort of recaptured his, uh, his best days next season. Yeah, his highlight reel is not over. Of that of that we can be sure. Yeah. Italy is a good place for him to to stretch his legs and and you know wait for wait for the rainbow bridge. Uh, Mel, <laughs> would you like to to follow up? Yeah, I, I think Matt's exactly right. I think the the strength of Pastore has been the, the bane of his existence. Um, you know, other than the the injuries that have come. Uh, uh, in different ways, you know, his skill on the ball forces people to foul him. And um, in a physical league like Liga, that is going to have you um, 
you know, getting the pastory level version of, of what I, uh, interpreted to be happening in Neymar, uh, in the early part of, of last season. Um, the, the move to Syria back to Syria is, is where he has an opportunity to play in a league, which, uh, the style that he has that burst of pace, um, in the mid range, right. He doesn't have a high top speed. He's not necessarily faster zero to 60 than anybody else, but that, that burst of pace on the ball in that mid range movement, um, uh, is going to, to benefit him tremendously in that league. Um, uh, it's going to be important to take a look at who he has around him. I haven't done a lot of that. Um, but if he has the space to move laterally, um, and if the culture of the club, uh, isn't such that, um, his ostensible number 10 performance, uh, when they, when they don't win, he doesn't get the direct blame. Uh, and some of that is distributed, uh, in terms of his psychology. I think he's going to be, uh, have us have a, you know, a second, uh, a second burst to his career that you're right. PSG fans will not begrudge uh, as long as we don't catch any of that in the champions league. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I don't think he'd celebrate. If he did, I'd have to switch gloves. <laughs> yeah, if he right. did, there'd be a serious problem, but you know, yeah, I just don't even yeah. want to see that. <laughs> Too many hearts broken. I'm sure that I'm sure the crowd would chant for him. I mean, oh, now you got me dreaming it up. Uh, all right, Guillaume, close this out. <laughs> Um, well, we didn't get rid of Pastore. We, we, we transferred him with his agreement. I don't think he went to a bad club. Uh, AS Roma was semi-finalist of the Champions League. Um, they, um, they, they are a good club. They're a great team in a, good, uh, in a better league than League One. We made very good money. Indeed, <laughs> 25 million euros, I think. Yeah. Uh, he had one year left on his contract. So that tells you that, you know, he, there was still some demand for um, such a quality player. But, yeah, he's a glass cannon. So, yeah, it's a good move, I think. Um, I'm disappointed not, well, because he's living and I'm also a big fan. I mean, some of his passes through the years, some of his assists. I remember all my life that... At, Assist for Cavani, I don't know how, I don't even know how to describe it. Where he's not even looking, it's, it's a blind pass. I mean, who does that? Messi, maybe, maybe Neymar, as um, not even sure. Amazing. But he's got a play and um, he was injured and he was injured again and then again and again and again. And I'm disappointed that the, the freaking French, or I don't know if they're French, but the medical team couldn't find a cure. I mean, come on. It's, I'm sure it's, it's not as easy, but at the end, it, it's not a disease. It, it's a chronic weakness in his calf, and there's surely are ways to fix it. And hopefully Roma has a more better approach to the problem, and, and it will... It will be a starter for them and, and have a great season or two. Uh, but, yeah, it's sad to, to see him go. Now, for the club, it was probably the right thing to do, and they got good money. They are saving a chunk of money of, on, um, on salaries. And since nobody really knows what's happening with the FFP and our club finances because, you know, they don't have to tell us anything. They're a private company. Um, 
but they're giving us hints that they, they needed the money, and now was a good time to uh, to let Flacco go. Mm-hmm. Sad, but it's it's, uh, it's the sad way it is. but true. Yes, sad but it, true. It's, it's a good deal for all parties. All all irony aside, all jokes aside, uh, it's it's where he made his name, and in Palermo, he was he was really outstanding. Um, and it's a league which is certainly not not unfriendly, uh, despite its defensive reputation. Not unfriendly to that kind of no. that kind of playmaker role, just because there are so many teams that can facilitate it. Um, it's 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 a good it's a good move for everybody. I just I wanted to give him five minutes. On the, on of the <laughs> <laughs> so um, other departures, and I'm not going to talk about Rabio yet because we have we're, the Rabio thing is another thing. But in terms of everyone who has oh. ha, has gone already, Yuri Bercic, adios. Uh, Odzon Edward, uh, ad, adieu. Jonathan Ikone, bye. Uh, Mata retired. Ciao. Uh, ben Arfa has been put out of his misery. Um, would you get rid of any other dead wood? Uh, were any of these departures a mistake? I, I don't I don't think so. I mean, Yuri Yuri was Yuri did well for us, um, but we got a big offer for him. Probably wouldn't have gotten as big an offer. Made a profit. Um, Can you believe it? We made a profit on Yuri Bershish. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he wasn't a bad player. He was a little no. crazy, but. No, he wasn't that bad at all. Yeah. Okay. We we made a profit, a big profit, on a player that wasn't that bad at all. Yeah, good, <laughs> good job. Good job. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the advantage of Basque-only uh, signing laws. Um, right, yeah. So let's just open this up. This is fairly freeform. You, can, you don't have to go very long with this um, if you don't think that there's a lot we, we need to do. Um, I will say, not to influence any of the forthco- forthcoming discussion, but I will say there is one big, well, long piece of dead wood that should oh, be yeah, removed yeah, yeah, yeah. as soon as possible. One thin, noodly strand of dead wood. We're stuck. Be... We're stuck with him. There's no getting rid of him. All right, He's uh, got a contract for 2022. <laughs> Matt, go ahead. He's the four-letter <laughs> four word. The four-letter word. That starts with a, with a, with a J. Yeah. He's our team's yeah. four-letter word. <laughs> yeah. Well, you never know. Like, reggaeton United. No, you know. You, you know. And, uh, uh, you know. You know, then he'll be off. Uh, he's replacing uh, Ben Arfa. It's like it, it, it's, it's we needed at the club. Have, we have to have one player who we hate to pay thousands <laughs> yeah. of dollars a week to do nothing. <laughs> Hundreds yeah. of thousands yeah, of dollars. I think, I think it's an absolute stretch to call him a player. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we have, have one club musical artist. I mean, does anybody remember Pinto at Barcelona? I mean, at least he played, I guess. He played he what? Oh, artist. you he mean the music football? He played. He was, a, he was like a reserve goalkeeper, but he, he did full-time reggae. or like He was like a DJ or something. <laughs> No, we're, we're not. We're not getting rid of Hesse. That's that's. Yeah. That. Nobody wants him. He, uh, I think his salary is six million or six or seven million, and his contract runs out in twenty twenty two or twenty twenty one. The funny thing is, I wasn't even talking about Hesse. But oh no! We, yeah, we can get to that. We can get to that. Okay. I forgot. I, here's how important Hesse is. I forgot. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and I would have been fine not knowing that we're paying him. All right, Matt, go go ahead. You can trust <laughs> through. Yeah. Turns out there's enough dead wood in this squad to uh, you uh, know, build true. a small forest uh, yeah. or a big bonfire, depending on your point of view. Um, 
I think the transfers which have happened, uh, yeah, all fairly straightforward, the good deals. I mean, you, I just find that Yuri transfer completely baffling. How, like, he was fine, and I would have been quite happy with us keeping him as a backup player. But how, like, um, the other lot decided that his year at PSG meant he was worth more than he was last summer was just, uh, I found that very weird, but very welcome, much like the Pastore thing, a nice little earner to sort of satisfy the FFP uh, rules. And then the two young guys, I just think it's best they're not realistically ever going to feature in the first-team squad, are they? So I think that's something which PSG need to do a bit more of, sort of not quite to the extent that Chelsea do it, where they're basically a sort of talent farm where they sort of grow these players and you never see them in the first team and they flog them to, to other clubs. But at the same time, if we produce players who are who are good but not, um, you know, quite to the level that we need, um, and we should be doing that quite a lot given the sort of reservoir of talent at our disposal, then we need to be making the most of, uh, you know, their value and uh, shipping them off like we saw last summer with August now, who I, you know, was decent enough but not maybe not like that right sort of top, top level. And obviously, um, Odson Edwards had a great season at Celtic, and um, you know, Ikone is probably going to get some good game time um, at Lille. So, uh, so yeah, I think uh, there's not much to say about it other than well done, Enrique, who somehow managed to raise like 60 million euros from players that we probably didn't really want. Uh, he he had his hit list, uh, you know. He, he dresses up like a mob boss, and and uh, <laughs> the the analogy is appropriate. I think he, he gets rid of who he needs yeah. to get rid of. Mel? Yeah, I mean, I think Matt's, you know, covered it pretty well there. I mean, Bob Beck's still on the books. And, uh, you know, he, oh, he's at... about him. Yeah, he's at Utrecht in, 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 in the Eredivisie, but he's back, I think. And, and uh, you know, we're going to get to uh, uh, my favorite, favorite PSG player in terms of attitude and approach, Rabio later, but um, you know, Bob Beck, um, you know, the work that Enrique did this summer, um, I think, uh, reflects the fact of how confident uh, al goes into these FFP meetings, I think, because we uh, have a really good take, not only on the value of the players that we can let go, but through um, uh, the work that PSG has done, we have the relationships with clubs and with agents to move players when absolutely necessary. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting about Krakowiak, um, somebody who's appeared at the World Cup now, um, but couldn't appear in a meaningful way on the pitch for Paris, um, what his status is when we come back. But, you know, there's not a lot of fat left. And and, and I think Matt's also right in that, you know, I, I, uh, I think Yuri is a is a player um, who, for me, is the type of squad player and backup player we need. Not a problem in the locker room, right attitude. Um, and um, that one puzzles me a little bit in terms of uh, the culture we're going for. I understand the dollar amounts, but that that's the only one that stands out to me. Yeah, I, I agree pretty much fully with everything you two have said, um, particularly regarding Yuri. I mean, he's. It, I think it just comes down to the, the financial fair play, uh, because yeah. at the end of the day, uh, unless you're planning on making Kurzawa your number one, if you have a choice of backup between Liven, Kurzawa, 
and Yuri Berchich. You, I, I think everyone knows which attitude they would prefer in the locker room more. <laughs> um, all right, Guillaume, you can you can round us out here. Um, I, I same thing. I agree. Uh, the only yeah we left about him because he's not uh, you know a phenomenal player, but very useful. Um, Yuri Berchich, and he was sold because. Of the FFP complete bullshit. The bullshit never ends. Um, so if I, if I may no briefly, the children uh, for listeners, we have bullshit accounting at Paris Saint Germain. Um, we belong to a $375 billion sovereign wealth fund. Money is not an issue. But rules were put in effect to slow down the rise of clubs like Manchester City and Paris Saint-Germain to um, ease and please the, the big clubs. We know them all. Um, and it's kind of working. So Paris Saint-Germain hires um, professional consultants and, and, and high-level CPAs to kind of make up a accounting statement and um, it's bullshit. Okay. Then FFP looks at it and did a couple of, like, 18 months ago and said, okay, you're bullshit uh, sponsoring here. We're going to devaluate that by 50%. Okay. Okay, let's go with it. So you rebuild your finances around major decisions taken by UEFA and FFP as a club. And then... FFP comes back and says, oh, uh, no, we, we, ch- um, we, change our, we change our mind. I'm sorry, what? So the decision and new, new statement or contract or whatever it is, we signed with you a year ago, you saying you need to devaluate those contracts by 50% is no longer good. Correct. Now you have to re-devaluate those contracts by another 37%. Now to end the accounting year now. You have to do this. This is, this is just unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's, it's reaching, like, it's borderline, okay, lawyer, law, you know, get your lawyers. We're going to sue the hell out of you. And that was an option for the club. It's still an option for the club. Um, so it's, it's really lawyers against lawyers. There's a lot, uh, most of the fight is completely hidden. And, uh, but there's a new season coming up. So what do you do? Well, all right. So, you know, step one, we need to close the books and we need to sell about 40 million euros worth of players. So you do what you can. And that's how we let uh, Bershiche go. Um, this is complete nonsense from, from FFP, from the UEFA. Pressured by the lobbyist groups. Yes, we have bullshit accounting. Yes, sorry, we do. We have we have endless uh, amount of money, and money is not an issue for this club. So that being said, uh, do you have to behave like unprofessional goons? Say one thing one day, the other the other day. There's got to be a good common ground somewhere, and uh, you know the new rich clubs and UEFA have not found that common ground. And it's, it's, it's kind of sad. So maybe, um, you know, I'm missing some, some parts of the equation here. Uh, there's still a big question mark for the, the summer transfer window. 
What of yeah, our endless yeah. amount of money can we use this summer? Zero? Do we have to sell players? Do uh, what? We don't know. I was going to say, Guillaume, the only thing that I think is missing from your analysis is, you know, the the hypocrisy of the other big clubs around us. Um, I was there. Uh, part of my background, just so listeners know, is that you know, I worked for CONCACAF and was a FIFA delegate um, 2001 to 2003. And I was there when the G14, mm-hmm. which is now the European Clubs Association, uh was created. PSG was part of that group and other big clubs around the world were happy to have PSG and Marseille part of that group as long as they were the size they were. Right. Uh, as, as long as the, um, the resources of the world's game at the club level was coming to them in a, in a way that scaled to other clubs that shall remain unnamed and not <laughs> them. But then after that had a Chelsea, uh, emerge, um, uh, that wasn't part of, wasn't a founding member of the G14. Mm. You had uh, a Manchester City uh, emerge, um, and you had PSG. Malaga. Uh, come. Yeah, and we came from the doldrums of, of Colony Capital and the nightmares of, of that period into uh, a resource-rich opportunity. And everything changed in the narrative that was going from the G14 and then the ECA to UEFA and FIFA about club rights. Um, everything changed and FFP, which was originally about making, make sure, making sure that clubs didn't, um, uh, poorly manage themselves into, um, uh, bankruptcy, uh, and administration, um, was now deployed to balance, um, uh, a set of resource rich com- clubs that were coming from areas that weren't traditional, uh, to make sure that their uh, influence and authority in the game was diminished. And so you're right. Everything you said was exactly right. I just want to make sure that we emphasize the hypocrisy right. of the state, the G14 and the ECA all the way up until the ostensible oil era uh, of resource ownership in, in world football. Right. Well, yeah. So big question, Mark, eh? what's going to happen? We don't yeah. know. Big, uh, uh, very, very insightful discussion. Unexpected, I will admit, and my my timekeeping has been uh, has been trotted upon once again. And no one thinks of me when they talk when they talk about these things. But you know, it does hurt me. Um, so let's just sorry, go straight. I just said sorry about that. I no, 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 no. It's, no, it's very, no, no. very interesting. This has been. You yeah. have been a hell of a pickup. Yes, now. indeed. Um, so. Let's uh, let's close out the departures thing. I was going to talk about the, a little bit of rumors with with Cavani, but frankly, we're all just going to say no. Um, no. Yeah, no. Uh, I also saw on Twitter. No, no, <laughs> absolutely no. I, I saw on Twitter uh, suitors for Krachowiak are Sevilla again, Moscow, and uh, and Fulham, uh, or Lokomotiv <laughs> Moscow. Uh, Locomotive Moscow are are supposedly very close to a deal for him. Uh, he is someone who had a terrible World Cup, <laughs> despite scoring. Uh, a really like abysmal. Like this was his chance, and he he did not he did not cover himself in glory. So I I would have not been surprised to see him get another look if he had impressed. Um, but you get the feeling that he's just on the way out. Um, right. So the last thing, Rabio, reportedly. Close to Barcelona, excuse me. Uh, having alienated many a Parisian uh, fan, he would be—he could be angling for a transfer. He could just be holding out for higher wages. 
is he someone we can't afford to lose? I I have been pro Rabio, keep Rabio, all of this for a really long time. I think he has a very, very good skill set. I think he adds a lot. I think he's an important homegrown prospect, even just for the for the image of the club. I think Rabio, you know, this this curly haired mercurial midfielder is is just a a good presence. Um Although all of that was kind of with the implication that he would grow out of being Rabio, oh, being uh, a bitch, yeah, and it's just not—it's not happened. And I've, I've got to say, like, I'm starting to come around. I'm starting to say, like, well, if he doesn't want to be here, he's not that good. Uh, uh, Matt, Matt, you can you can start us off. Wow, that's shocking revelations. Um, I think. Um... It would be a good idea for us all to like crowdfund an investigator to sort of investigate his mum because I think what <laughs> the best thing for Rabio's career would be to cause a rift in the Rabio family where he basically disowns his mother and never speaks to her again until he's retired from football. I think that would be of benefit to everybody. Um, I mean, I saw this headline last week. I saw RMC were like, oh, Rabio's prepared to leave PSG this summer and loads of big clubs want him. I'm like, how is this news? Like, this is the same story which happens every summer, pretty much. I don't know what Rabiot is going to do if he ever leaves us because he exists in a constant state of depression and fucking, you know, uh, inherent sort of unfairness of his situation. Like, I, I'm a bit like you. I kind of think I think we should keep him because we don't have that many midfielders and he's very good when he's on his game, playing at his top level, and he's got a lot of qualities. But it's, it just bores me, this story, so much. I mean, <laughs> what planet's he on that he thinks Barcelona are going to buy him? I'm sorry, this is ab- I'm going to call it. It's absolutely made up, 100% made up. There's no way that Barcelona are looking at Adrian Rabiot and thinking, this is the guy we need to, you know, Iniesta's gone to Japan or wherever. We need to reinvigorate our midfield. Polino's gone off back to China. What are we going to do? Oh, yeah, it's Rabiot. And his bloody mother likes swanning around thinking that he's better than Messi and all this rubbish. I mean, he's definitely not going to Barcelona. That's not going to happen. Uh, I mean, if he went, I wouldn't be sad because he's an idiot. But I think that on the balance of things, we're probably better off like putting up with him. And basically because of the situation we're in, where we don't have that many options in midfield, we need to at least keep him around until we can sort of source some, some alternatives. Right. And I mean... I would be content to sit out the transfer drama um, and just kind of give him a make sure he understands where we're coming from uh, and then see if he'd sign a new contract. But if it's between him leaving for free, on the other hand, and his camp makes it clear that he will not sign a new contract, things are things are very yeah. different. I think, uh, you're right, of course. I think it's very difficult with one year left on his deal or whatever it is. It's very difficult to sort of balance to strike. But I think it seems to me this is just the thing that he always does. He's just angling for a yeah. pay rise, basically. And At the end of the day, I, I do action, think he's looking it, for more knowledge. Um, Mel, go ahead. Yeah, I have a pretty harsh opinion of Rabio, of Veronique, his mother. Um, I, uh, Veronique, every time I think Nika, Nika. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> every All time right. I think of him, I think of, uh, Don Lucchese from the Godfather part three, admittedly not the best Godfather, <laughs> oh, but <laughs> Uh, Don Lucchese. You made yourself so classy earlier. He says says at one point, he says, all our ships must sail in the same direction, you know, and Rabio is that ship that's always tacking opposite to where you need to sail. And 
you know, when you think about, you know, there was a period of time, a year and a half, two years ago, where he was the Steve Chirundolo of PSG in that every time he touched the ball, he did something fabulous with it and then gave it away. Uh, and he still has some of that in him. Uh, and so he is not the tactical solution that he needs to be to have all of this other stuff going on all the time. Um, if he were um, far more consistent, uh, a tactical solution uh, on the field, then maybe maybe you put up with this stuff. But uh, to be frank with you, if he wants to go and we're going to get a, a, a solid um, midfield performer uh, in replacement, um, I, I'm all for it because um, with uh, the high the high profile player distractions that this club has, we don't need distractions from a mid level player. Right? It's just not it's not useful at this point. Uh, I think we're beyond him, and he's and and you're right in that you want you you thought he was going to grow up, but he he hasn't grown up. Um, he's missed out on a, a winning World Cup experience. Imagine that. Uh, because of his behavior, Deschamps played no games with him uh, and suffered no consequences. And I think that we need to do the same thing. Fair, harsh, but fair. Uh, Guillaume, you want to round us out on the on the little the little bastard? Yeah, it's it's no. I mean, it's sad. Adrien Rabiot could be world champion. Um, he's um, he can play as a six, as a solid six. Not at a super, super good six, but as a solid six. He can play as a uh, left a relayer, box-to-box. He's a very versatile player. And the only reason Deschamps, not the only reason, but the key reason why Deschamps didn't pick him is because of his fucking attitude. And you've seen his attitude on the pitch um, in the Champions League where he gets beaten in a duel and then he walks. Like, doop. I just lost the ball. <laughs> yes, Adrien, maybe you want to fucking track back and look at Matuidi, look at N'Golo Kante, look at Paul Pogba, look at, at Corentin Tolisso, and look at Nzonzi, who was picked over you, and their behavior on and off the pitch, and that's why you're not world champion. And the only reason you're not world champion is because of yourself, nobody else. And we could have had a starter, a second starter at Paris Saint-Germain, homegrown, who would have been a home, uh, world champion. And because he's a dickhead, he's not. And that's really, that's really sad. Um, very few players, as far as I know, were complete dickheads with a terrible attitude and change that without changing a club. Uh, Cantona was a dickhead. He moved to Manchester United, got his shit together and became a legend. Ribéry was a dickhead, moved to Bayern Munich, got his shit together and became, a, you know, not a legend, but a great player. I don't see uh, Adrien Rabiot can get his shit together by saying at Paris Saint-Germain with his current attitude. And I don't know how he's going to change. Who's going to talk to him? Mbappé? Uh, Kimpembe? I, I don't know. I'm not very hopeful. I lost faith in him. And um, imagine that. Deschamps doesn't pick him. 
Rabiot's reaction is, and boom, France is world champion. I'm sure it must be a little difficult right now to be Adrien Rabiot, but hey, he he planted the seeds. Now he's harvesting the the results. Beautiful results. So uh, the only thing, yeah, I agree, he's not bullshit Barcelona. He's not going to Barcelona. He's going to stay at Paris Saint-Germain, but the only way he can fix that is by having a great season on the pitch. Uh, he, there's still some hope. That'd be great because he's, um, he's an interesting player. Guillaume taking out some family anger. Uh, you'll have to excuse him. <laughs> I know, right? Tell us how you really feel. Yeah. I just did. I mean, he has, he has a complicated <laughs> relationship with his own mother, so this whole thing is very, very, very personal for him. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, arrivals. I want to start with Gianluigi Buffon. Tin pot signing or a coup for the club? Uh, we already talked about this. Guillaume, Matt, and I already did this. So I just I want to throw this over to Mel because um, we've already gone over it, uh, but I want to hear your opinion. Uh, just to review for those who didn't hear uh, the last edition, uh, Matt and I are more in the ante, like this is kind of a PR stunt uh, and might come at the expense of the playing time of Ariola. Uh, Guillaume is very pro, uh, very, very pro Buffon. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I guess I make it two to two. I'm very, very pro Buffon at our club. Um, I believe that, you know, there is. Uh, having uh, a winning uh, lifestyle, having a winning attitude, being an active winner, uh, you can't substitute for that in power and performance sport at the highest level. Um, we, uh, the, the things that Ariola is, are, are, is missing um, and, you know, the, the things that he needs, he can only learn from somebody like Buffon. Um, there isn't a coach on our uh, payroll who can give him uh, what he's going to get from from Buffon. Um, it, it, couched correctly, um, if this is managed right, um, Ariola comes out of this World Cup experience into a PSG alongside a Buffon um, and has the, the greatest opportunity for growth that he's had uh, since he started getting regular time uh, with the first team. So uh, for me, it is entirely about bringing the right mentality, a winning mentality, uh, a winning work ethic, um, and winning experience in history uh, to the club. Uh, we didn't sacrifice uh, anything really to do that, which what, which might have made it a different discussion, right? But we didn't do that, um, and um, I think this is a win all around, absolutely. Well, good good take. I think I think you put the advantage squarely in 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 pro Buffon camp in terms of like everyone who's a contributor on the site. I think me, Matt, and maybe Kose are the only dissenters. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just think as long as Ariola starts, fine, whatever. Um, right. But the way the way they're presenting him, I am concerned that this may may cause a rift with the the young homegrown goalkeeper who really earned his spot. He earned his spot 
versus like this guy who again a legend i will admit that probably in the conversation for one of the best if not the best keepers um in in history but i mean he also didn't even start the full season over Wojciech chesney so i don't know um, two world yeah, cup I mean, you know, two world cup winners me, two, two world cup yeah. winners in the goals alphonse areola and jean louis buffon and jean louis buffon comes from an environment where you're always earning your right to play Right. They're always earning your right to play. And so um, we need Ariola to have the mentality that he doesn't care who the club brings in. Right. I'm not worried. He's got to be like, I'm not worried about who you bring in. I'm going to learn from them and then I'm going to take the number one role um, and do what's required to take it. And I think that, you know, you saw that little wobble with Ariola when he was sort of given the opportunity over Kevin Trapp. um, without seeming to earn it with play on the field. And then you saw like a period we had where they sort of went back and forth and neither of them was really earning the right over the other to play. It was sort of just the selection by the manager. He needs to take it. If he wants it, he needs to take it. Um, and that needs to be the case, whether Buffon is there or anybody else is there. And so I think, um, Buffon, uh, you know, uh, understands what it means to be at the highest level. And I, 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 it will be interesting to see Areola's reaction. Let's hope that he doesn't take a step back in his mentality and his psychology. Um, but if, like I said, if couched and managed right, this is nothing but a benefit from my view. I'll admit that that was persuasive. I will admit. <laughs> it that's, was. That's one no, of the right. better takes. That is one of the better takes I've heard on this. Um, all right, so let's... Uh, Let's close this out with the uh, the only tangible bit of PSG uh, action that has happened while during the the chaos of the World Cup, which I'm still kind of recovering from, like the the depression of not having a a, a match to watch at at 9 a.m. every morning. One um, nil over Saint Genevieve in a I think a closed doors friendly or um, or just one that's not not exceptionally publicized, uh, but. Largely, um, largely reserve and youth team plus Diara, if he's, if he's even in the first team. Uh, <laughs> uh, and Kunku scored the game's only goal. Uh, I bring this up because this was technically uh, Tuchel's first game in charge. Uh, he Go played ahead. three at the back. Um, rumored arrivals, like strong rumors from, I mean, like credible sources like PSG, P- uh, Paris United, um, the, linking linking us strongly to Benucci, Boateng. Uh, it supports the idea that Tuchel wants to play three center backs. I'm saying this very cautiously mm-hmm. because Emery played four two three one all preseason. In his bo- both of his preseasons, I can remember him doing four two three one, and then we went to straight into the regular season with a four three three. So I'm not getting my hopes up too high, but all signs point to three at the back. Um, is that system change something promising? First of all, and second of all, what do you think of? these potential defensive additions? Is that the direction that the team is poised to go in in terms of the makeup of the squad? Or do you think it's kind of a kind of a turn for the worse? Um, Matt, start us off. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I think I, I was a bit perplexed by these sort of rumours of linking us with a lot of centre-backs uh, that seems to have been narrowed down to, to Watting and, um, and Benucci, but... Clearly, if he wants to play three at the back, it makes a bit more sense because I thought, well, we've got bigger problems, basically, than having to sign a centre-back. Um, I mean, in terms of the players themselves, I'm not that keen on Boateng. I think he's 
first of all, I don't see what there's left for him to achieve in football. He's pretty much won everything, and uh, I think there's question marks about his sort of, uh, you know, his lifestyle and his commitment to the game as well. Uh, Bonucci is a lot more interesting. Uh, obviously, we know all oh, about yeah. him from his Juventus days. Um, don't know what he's been up to for the last year at, at, at Milan. Um, whether he's still on the level that he was, but potentially, uh, you know, a brilliant signing if we're going to play for it at the back because. If we're going to play a back four, it's going to be Minucci and Thiago Silva. I, it's just going to piss someone off, be it Marquinhos or Kimpembe, both of whom have you know, got a lot more years in them. So I don't really want to get into that situation. Um, but if we're, going to, if we're going to play a back three, then I think it, you know, um, I'd be very happy if Benucci came in. Um, I think that also changing the formation could be slightly problematic depending on what other um, reinforcements we get in just because, so we assume all three of the forwards are going to play as well, MCN. Um, so then you're looking at a 3-4-3 three, three type thing, which means you've only got two central midfielders, and I'm not sure of our current lot who you trust to play in a two sort of thing and not get a bit overrun. I mean, you know, I'm, I'll, I won't... Uh, won't stray on to, to Guillaume's specialist subject, but... Uh, no, midfield. no, 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 he's already starting. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I triggered him. So I was really trying not to do that, but, um, it, you know, there was no way around it. Um, so that'd be the only thing I think I'd like to see them give it a try in pre-season, obviously, in the sort of more high-profile games when everybody's back. Uh, but and it just seems to me, unless we sign a someone a bit better than our current options and I think we could leave ourselves a bit open uh, in midfield with that kind of formation yeah I think um, I think your your proposed what what you're reading is probably I mean just in my view it is it is an, an adaptation to where the squad is strongest I mean that like a 3-4-3 seems like it would play to the strengths of having a large a large amount of ca- very capable center center backs. I mean, Thiago Silva, Marquinhos, Kimpembe, you don't really want to take playing time away from. Um, plus, helping the helping those forward three, which are really the only relevant ones. I mean, Mbappe, Cavani, uh, Neymar play sort of free roles. Um, so I don't, that's that's the other part is, is what makes it so hard to read is we don't know if this is like preparation for what we can do with the players we have versus... Um, Versus, like, actually the the tactical direction that is ideal for the team. Uh, not to cut you off, Mel. I just wanted to respond immediately while that was up in the air. Go ahead. No, I, yeah, I, no, I, I don't have much to say here other than to say, you know, I think it's early. Uh, let's not let's not worry too much. But <laughs> since you asked, if <laughs> if, if uh, you know we're going to three at the back. You know, uh, typically uh, what worries me about three at the back um, is uh, wide attacks and quick switch of play. And quick switch of play leaves us vulnerable, and that requires a discipline and a um, a, a sort of um, athleticism. Number six. Number six. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, not, not just on, not only that, but, you know, um, there's a different thought process across the midfield in in contributing to defending um, that we have not uh, necessarily required. Uh, and switch of play means that 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 that's got to be second nature when uh, um, 
you know, some of the, the passes that we, you know, we tend to dominate the ball and then we tend to sometimes uh, try to make the, 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 the crowd exciting pass. And last year that very often led to uh, counterattacks on us and three, four threes open up space to run in. Um, and um, it just worries me um, because Boateng, you're right, is, uh, well, you could argue Benucci is at the tail end of his prime. Bo, uh, Boateng's prime has passed him by. Um, and, um, you know, to have Tiago Silva, Boateng, I, I, that just worries me. Um, I, I, am, I don't think that this particular group is configured necessarily to maximize three at the back. Now, it would be powerful to be able to go to three at the back in key situations where it made sense <laughs> to have that type of formation flexibility. Um, and it'd be interesting to see if Tuchel is looking to do this um, so that we have uh, a B formation uh, to deploy when it makes sense. Um, but, you know, as, as our standard approach, I, I you know, it, it worries me for a variety of reasons. Yeah, I mean, there are for all the examples of three at the back has been quite vogue, uh, particularly in England with the with the addition of that uh, title winning squad. Um, I think it was it was last last year uh, when Chelsea won the league and just kind of stormed over everyone with possession, lots of goals uh, with a three at the back. For all of the examples of good three at the back play, um, it's it's if you want an example of what it looks like when executed really, really badly, sorry, Matt, uh, England versus Croatia, <laughs> a game, a game where, where very high profile, a, a game where, <laughs> and everything Mel is saying is absolutely spot on here because they were, they, they had every physical advantage over Croatia who were tiring, who were visibly tiring on every single one of their, their counterattacks. They just had to keep floating crosses in and, England. Now, this would not be as much of an issue at club level, you would hope, because there's more time to drill those tactics in. But they they didn't have a plan B, and all Croatia had to do was just look at on paper what is the what is the weakness of that formation, and just spread them wide and and cross and cross and cross until they scored. Yeah, I mean, I think we have much better players than England uh, in most departments, <laughs> so I think that would be less of a problem. Hopefully, that's but fair, and your, and a better point. Southgate, really. Our Southgate national hero, how dare you? <laughs> He's got a station <laughs> named after him. No, he it's refused to adjust. Like, it's like a cult over here, I tell you. But um, no, you're right, absolutely. Um, and I think um, even with the, I think the year Chelsea won the league and sort of Conte sort of fell into that system a bit by accident, um, that was literally, with the, from what I remember, they're, all their players playing 100% to their top level all the time and people like yeah. Victor Moses really like putting in a phenomenal amount of work. And uh, yeah, it's a system where if I think um, uh, Mel's like summed it up really well, I think it's a system which has obvious problems if not everybody's like really on it all the time and really disciplined. Right. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, there's also the, the bad memory of... Uh, the last time I can remember PSG playing a semi-coherent 
three at the back system was Laurent Blanc against yeah. Manchester City, where Serge Aurier returned from his <laughs> debut game after after a long suspension and started left fucking center what a back. Disaster, <laughs> that was probably the funniest thing I've ever seen. That was like that was like peak PSG. It's like yeah, absolutely in the in the worst way possible. <laughs> it was like going back to the good old days. I mean, in retrospect, it's hysterical, but in the moment, it was just like you, you didn't you couldn't answer. There was no human response that was appropriate for what was happening in front of you. Uh, none. Guillaume, none you, whatsoever. No. Uh, Guillaume, you can you can go ahead. Um, uh, most all top European teams, clubs have four central defenders on their team roster. We have three. So whether we want to play in 3-4-3 three, three, or 4, blah, 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 it's good to have a, a fourth central defender. Um, when I say we have three, it depends if we sell Krikoviak or not, because it could be that, you know, fourth guy. Or you look around and you see that Bonucci is available, and he's amazing. He's 31, uh, still top-notch. Thiago Silva is going to be 35 in September. Oof, he's on his way out. Um, Bonucci is four yet. years younger. And he will give Tuchel, Tuchel, Tuchel uh, an option to play with three in the back, uh, which, you know, can be done. Br- um, Belgium um, is kind of good with that. Uh, you know, there's pros and cons. But it gives the manager some options. So, yeah, um, I'm all for Bonucci. I wanted to briefly add... Uh, We've, we've complained and we've read in the media, heard in the media, Paris Saint-Germain cannot keep his young players, blah, blah, blah. We signed seven, seven players of our, of our youth academy, uh, including Yassine Adli, True. which is a yeah. big deal because this guy, ooh, he looks like a, a child of Adrien Rabiot and Mawan Fellani. Fellani, sorry. <laughs> Uh, oh, that's, but no, that's the um, perfect player. Um, he's he's uh, he's more of a ten, but like modern ten. So yeah, he can. He's very physical. He can defend, but he's got that 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 touch, that pass. And everybody wanted him. Um, they they signed him. Um, there's another very promising player. Um, I'm going to botch, botch his name, Virgilio Post. Postolaki, Postolaki, I don't know how you pronounce it. Uh, I believe Bulgarian or Turkish Bulgarian originally. Uh, 17 years old. A, a, a very interesting striker. And then, a, a, yes, another Musa Sissoko. A Sissako this time. Damn it. Uh, who's, who's, yeah, I know. And he's actually um, a solid midfielder, DM. And another, yet another central mid, um, central defender, Mbeso, was was very promising. So it's it's very good news, very very good news. Um, we'll see if they develop into anything. But keeping Adli, especially, was a big win for the club. Right. Um, and I was supposed to, to talk on what on on the incomings. Yeah, who knows? Uh, Bonucci. Yes. 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 Yeah, there's there's not a lot of we can go off of like we said. I think we've squeezed quite a bit. I will, I am surprised out of out of this. <laughs> We're just going off a, a closed doors friendly. Um, I will say I don't like the Boateng move as as the, the has no, been as is the consensus here. Uh, I do like the Benucci move. 
I think I think he's a player who was signed yeah. by Milan yeah. and is now it's he's in that position where he's at kind of a semi big club, but it's just not working out. So you're not he's going to be willing he's going to be able he's going to be purchasable at a fair price and he's probably going to be willing to negotiate about his contract just to just to go to a place which is better for him. Um, he's been he's been a, 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 a it's fair to say he's been a flop at, at Milan. It's a good opportunity. He adds experience and at, at worst he'd be average. Um, I think I think it'd be smart regardless of, of the system change. Um, good conversations all around. Last thing. Very short, um, and we are not spilling over quite as bad as I thought. Your dream signing this window. You can explain or you can not explain. You can leave us wondering. It's up to you. Matt, start us off. Well, there's one man who I think would uh, would add a lot to the team. He's currently, um, <laughs> I mean, the unfortunate thing. <laughs> I think you probably know where this is going, but he's, um, he's injured at the moment. He's got a knee problem. He's out for four to six months. But I really think in the second half of the season, Jeremy Menez can really uh, <laughs> give us a bit of that much-needed boost when the sort of latter stages of the Champions League come round and... Uh, you know, we need that quality off the bench. I think I think he's the man I'd like to see. So, uh, sorry, I don't have anything. It's, it's very late here. That's an, that's my sort of contractual Menez uh, reference for the day. So um, I'll let you guys, uh, you know, um, expand if you've got any um, better ideas. But, uh, yeah, come back, Jeremy. Just come back. Just make me happy. <laughs> I mean, with with Louis gone, and Louis is gone, by the way. Bye, bye, Louis. Oh yeah, um, bye, Louis. Yeah, bad times. Um, he's he's going on to greener pastures. I think he's a coach now. So congrats to him. Uh, there is no more Pascal Duprat's jokes all day. So uh, it it is good to have at least one or two running jokes on this show. I mean, not not running jokes. <laughs> Matt's just Matt's just an idiot. Um, uh, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> You'll be starting up rivalry from the last episode. Yeah. Is, uh, um, uh, this means war. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Mel, your dream signing. I won't I won't ridicule you, I promise. I don't know you that well yet. Um, oh my I'm just still thinking about Menez. I just <laughs> got me frozen that's in what, place. That's what it's like for me every day, I'll tell you. I you know, he's with me all the time. <laughs> you know, um, Napoli played some incredible eye-catching football in, in last year. Um, if I could get any player right now to, to supplement this squad, keeping everybody that we have, I'd get Jorginho. Just in that number six role, build from the back, passing combinations, I, 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 I just like him a lot. Um, I, I, I like his hunger right now. I do have what bad was that? news. I have bad news for you, Mel. Yeah, uh, he, he signed. Say. He signed for Chelsea like a couple days ago. Oh, is it official? Yeah, I think it is official. I don't think it is. Oh, is it? No, that. I think they announced it like half an hour after they announced Sorry, didn't they? Yeah, uh, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no! Yeah, it it is official. Yeah, he just signed for Chelsea. Signing. Presented well, everything. I'm still I'm dreaming. This is all dreams. I'm oh, dreaming. true, true. The ideal signing is still the ideal signing. All right, yeah. this this bit is O for two right now. <laughs> let's, let's let's uh, let's get something good, Gil. <laughs> and if you right, say no, a defensive um, midfielder, I don't care if so, you're right. I don't care if, so if I agree it, with you. I'll turn it off. If it's a dream, it's not real. So N'Golo Conte, of course. Um, but it's. Mm, it's a maybe 
they signed Jorginho. I know it's, they're not exactly the same type of player, but for a reason, because Conte's out. You know, um, Abramovich is having lots of problems with the British government right now. Yeah, he, cannot, he cannot actually work in England, which is kind of a slight problem. Because Chelsea, Chelsea is a company and he's the head of it and he's not allowed. He has no work permit. Lots of shenanigans. Anyway, so that, that there's issues at Chelsea. Um, so Dream and Golo Conte, yeah, of course. Uh, reality, we need a system player, um, which Verratti is not. Rabio is not. Um, we, we don't have one. There is one. Uh, the right pass at the right time to the right person, like Thiago Mota. Oh, God. Here, is, here I am again for the 200th time. Yes, we need, uh, we need that guy. That guy, there's one available, and he used to play with Tutush. Uh, Julian oh, yes. Weigel. Julian, how do they say in German? Ju- Ju- I, think Julian. It, I think it's Julian Weigel. I think that is. Julian, Julian Weigel. And uh, Weigel's 23. Um, he, got, he got a big injury. He's not back to his prime. Uh, I don't even know if he's back from it. But anyway, um, we, need, we need this guy. We need this guy. We need this guy. But uh, we need also left back. So, Sandro, I don't know if we can, we can afford it, if FFP is, is real. Um, if not, Sandro as a left back and Vigo. Um, in midfield, we probably want another midfielder. Uh, then we have we have a team. Then we do have a team. Right now, we don't. Same issues. So Weigel would be um, would be kind of a nice thing. Yeah, and speaking of running jokes, the the reason we are all reacting so violently uh, to to Guillaume talking about a defensive midfielder is because he has been doing it since his very first episode, and he's been doing this for like two years. He's got he's got. And I've been proven right. Yes, no, he's not wrong. Yes, yes, you're you're not wrong. I've been listening that long, and that's and you've you've been right the entire time. (laughs) Look at England without a midfield. There's nothing they, worse. They did, they did the best they could without. They were trip. they were supposed to have who, Eric Dyer. I don't know what the, the final of the World Cup. Two teams with the two best midfields of the World Cup. Um, I'm not saying these are the best midfield in the world. They were the two best midfields at that time. Uh, there's no doubt. We need a, we, at that level. We want to win the Champions League. You need a midfield. We don't have a midfield. We do not have a top-notch midfield. You cannot win the Champions League without one. Period. That's it. Seems so long ago now when we were talking about Masha Matuidi Verratti as uh, as like one of Europe's best trios. But they were they were for like eighteen months. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, eighteen months. When we beat shot. when we beat Barcelona, remember three two, uh, three seasons. That was no Zlatan. The- that was no Zlatan as well. That was like twenty fifteen. I think. Yeah. Sort of 2013 to 2015, I think Motta Verratti, Matuidi was like a peerless midfield. It was absolutely Beautiful. perfect. And it had yeah. Pastore. That Motta game had run. Pastore in front of them. Yeah. Less, Motta less could run. Matuidi had three lungs and Verratti was doing what Verratti does. That was a beautiful midfield. It didn't last. Yeah. Um, it, it, is, it is funny that our fondest memories of, of Laurent Blanc are literally just him trying to copy Barcelona, just doing his best <laughs> to fake it till you make it. Making Mata sleep in Sergio Busquets's clothes and all that. <laughs> um, my my dream signing, just to close this out, is 
also N'Golo Kante, uh, just because I think it's feasible and he would really, really improve uh, the system. And also, I mean, it just adds to the French profile of the club. Um, N'Golo is... Kante! Yes! N'Golo Kante! Il est petit, il est gentil, il a shut down Lionel Messi. I forgot. Something like that. <laughs> This has also set a set a record for most impromptu songs in one podcast episode, <laughs> which the previous record I think was zero. Um, but yes, no, good. We, we this can, is we can, we can extend that. We can extend that. We can that's keep going. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Can it's we have been... can we have the Veronique one to sort of end the podcast on? Because I think that's quite rude. Oh yeah, yeah. It? Play us. We should we should do a podcast just with songs. <laughs> well, like an episode of Glee, like sort of. Yes. <laughs> Transposed on PSG. Well, All right. So many question marks. Uh, question <laughs> marks for this upcoming season. A lot of lots, lots. And it's difficult for Tutush um, right after a World Cup. Oh boy, he doesn't know. He's going to get players, some completely fried, some absolutely too rested. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be yeah. It's going to be a bit difficult. It can turn out okay. We should be all right. I'm optimistic. I think the general feeling is good. France just won a World Cup. Mbappe is the best player in the world. Let's uh, let's let's just move on from there. I mean, you know, we're gonna get a left back from Italy. Maybe worse. not Alexandro. We're gonna get somebody else. We'll probably sign another center back, and then some some nonsense will happen in midfield. Um, that is that is certain. Um, it will be confusing, and it will probably be overly drawn out. But that's just PSG. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, that's all we got. Um, thank you to our regular guests, as always. Thank you to our listeners. And very special thank you for Mel. Uh, yeah, welcome, a, Mel. Yeah, hell of a pickup, man. Thank you very much. It's been, it's been a slice. <laughs> uh, your, your, your credentials clearly add a lot. You know that none of the rest of us know anything or, or are qualified to chat about this for an hour and a half. So, uh, it's we, so very we're just good pretending. <laughs> it's all just charm with us. People don't listen for the content. Right. Uh, that's all we got. Check out the website at psgtalk.com. Uh, please check out our Patreon if you're uh, if you're a longtime listener and you'd like to help support us. Um, and of course, always leave us any feedback. Uh, please be sure to submit your questions if you'd like to hear. Um, Here's something answered, um, and well, see you next time.